Welcome, everybody, to the Reliable HVACR uh, live stream and podcast. And today we got a pretty special guest. Uh, we have a doctor in the house, a legit, actual doctor. You know, he has his PhD. I'll let him go ahead and uh, elaborate on that. But uh, hey, what's going on, uh, Josh? But uh, he's also a another HVAC Tactical Award winner. Uh, he's doing things with Solder Weld. And he does a lot of cool stuff. So let me bring on the HVAC doctor himself, Matt Waxer. What's going on, man? Hey, Adrian. How's it going, brother? It's going pretty good. It's hot as hell over here, but we're doing, we're managing. <laughs> exactly. Oh, how's I knew some of the warm over? weather up here. It was uh, a little bit cooler up uh, four hours north from where I uh, typically live, where I was working the past day and a bit. So happy to be back in my neck of the woods and uh, happy to be on uh on your podcast pumped to be on here man super excited i appreciate it i'm, pr I'm pretty stoked to have you on here um i did catch you know the, the one that you did with uh commercial kitchen chronicles i know you and jay were on there so uh, a lot of cool stories and i can't wait to dive into uh your background and, and some of the stuff that you, you got going on because you, you do a lot of uh interesting work with uh the aeon units and, and all that kind of stuff yeah, it's uh, you know awesome little product to work on. It's not everybody's cup of tea. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised the the chat isn't blowing up with uh, you know particular brand hatred. Um, I see that a lot um, <laughs> between the products I work on and uh, one of my uh, good friends, Ilya, the HVAC foodie, uh, oh, yeah. the product that he works on, Engineered Air. Uh, we see a lot of people that don't like the particular brands we work on that we start mm -hmm. up and a lot of that um unfortunately from what i've seen it's people just don't understand the products uh, people come up with a preconceived bias about a particular product without having actually worked on it or being trained properly on it uh to come to an opinion of oh something is garbage right off the hop well come work on it for a while come actually learn the product and then you know see if you still have the same opinion i'm sure once you actually get to work on it it'll probably be eye-opening I, I think that's and i kind of like already got over that kind of stuff because i used to be like that or i used to hear that a lot right brand a is better than brand b this one's garbage that one's garbage but at the end of the day and and some people don't realize a lot of this equipment is made by the same manufacturer so they're arguing for no reason and a lot of it is like how you take care of it maintain it uh, startup, you know, the installs, all that kind of stuff. At the end of the day, they all kind of do the same thing. As long as you are taking care of it, uh, getting or know how, know how it works and, uh, and maintain it, you know, everything breaks, everything, uh, needs to be repaired, needs to be checked up on. I think I don't really have a brand, uh, loyalty to anybody. It's like, if I, if it's in front of me, I'll work on it. If we're uh, selling a new unit, you know, customer gets option A, B and C. What do you guys prefer? Uh, I can give you like recommendations on what's easier to maybe repair or get parts for, but that's that's about that's about it. I think they're all kind of the same. Yeah, I, you know there are you know different tiers and levels to different pieces of equipment out on the market. Sure. Um, you know you have your like this, we're just talking about say package rooftop units. 
you have your standard typical you know entry level units like your your Lennoxes, your carriers your yorks your trains mm -hmm. your entry level daikins which are really a goodman rooftop and there's a market for that absolutely and then there's other products like what i work on predominantly aon engineered mm -hmm. air hakon there's a, a number of you know semi custom and custom rooftop and air handling units that fit a different market and niche it all depends on what the actual application for the uh you know end use of that product is and where it fits in so you know things like your you know lennox kgb or kga rooftop unit aren't going to be able to do the same things that say an engineered air unit or a hacon or an aon unit can do and they're constructed mm -hmm. completely different to a certain degree as well at the base level do they all do the same thing, sort of? Well, yeah, they all move air. They all transfer heat. But the way they go about doing it can be fundamentally different. And the construction of them uh, can be you know, different as well, where these semi-custom and custom rooftop units, you're paying extra money because there's extra energy-saving features that are built into them. Mm -hmm. That being said, it's, is every, everybody's cup of tea? No. <laughs> No, uh, but it's my cup of tea. It's what I like to work on. It's what I love to get up and go do every single day. It's my area of what I've you know put myself into to work in this industry is I've busted my rear to get to the point where I'm a commissioning startup guy and to work on and specialize on a small select brand of HVAC products. So I, I don't see you know everything that's out there. I'm working to be the best darn tech I can on a small product line to be an air quotes expert on those lines mm -hmm. so that, you know, when someone goes and works on those and hits a brick wall, well, call the doc, call me up <laughs> and I'm here to help. Like it's all about helping out the fellow community, right? It's all about the community over competition. If I know something about a product line and you've hit a brick wall on it, I'm here to mm -hmm. help. I'm, I'm not here to hold on to that knowledge. That'd be really petty of anybody who holds on to knowledge thinking that they're going to advance themselves. No, share it, share it freely. I know, man. And uh, uh, that that's with everything. It's the same thing like that I get for, cause you do uh, a lot more high end equipment than I do. So, I mean, it, it's, I'm glad that you came on the show so we can talk about what you do. Cause not a lot of people, especially maybe here in the chat, know, I know Jennifer and Jason Johnson are mentioning that they've uh, they're they're familiar with that kind of stuff, but a lot of people might not know how that stuff works or why people get that you know that Aon unit or I've seen your videos and it looks uh, pretty complicated in there from a you know light commercial uh, text point of view. But I get the same I get the same thing with the with the kitchen stuff because a lot of people don't like kitchen refrigeration. It's like a it's like a little niche that I've gone into. And I've learned to embrace it and, and I love what I do, but mm -hmm. not everybody loves dealing with kitchens and being around all that equipment, the, the, the tight areas and stuff like that. But I love it and that's what I do. So, you know, everybody exactly. has their own thing. Yeah, I did a little bit of kitchen work back in when I first broke into the trade. Uh, was it fun to work on the equipment at the time? Absolutely. But was it my cup of tea? No, not really. And I don't knock anybody for doing that kind of work. I got mm -hmm. utmost respect for it. Just like, you know, there seems to be, I find a preconceived bias that people think that, oh, you work on a particular, say, 
elite brand of equipment or, you know, more complicated brand of equipment that you're going to have an ego and look down on <laughs> people that say, you know, work on, you know, air quotes, simpler, light commercial units or people who do residential. No, I, I got nothing but respect and admiration for people that find what they like to do in this trade and do it with passion and do it well. Yeah, there, there's so many avenues that you can take uh, in this trade. That's what's great about it. I do want to bring up Josh here. He's like, come on. He said he wanted the haters. Uh, some <laughs> some people some people that I know like Goodman, and I have no issue with them. Josh over here is a big uh, Daikin fan. He's I think he's going to tour their facility again. He's been doing some uh, content, and they're letting him uh, go behind the scenes and, and show how that assembly line you know they put together. I think it's Daikin and, and Goodman and all those other ones that, that are in that uh, – that little branch there and uh you know everybody has their own their own uh, flavor that they like to deal with and i don't think there should be any bias unless you've there i mean there are certain things that you might run into over and over and over that are are annoying you know problems here and there you know the the quality of the product uh that happens from time to time but uh you know everybody has their own uh, equipment that they work on exactly and you know, you know, speaking of quality issues, that's a thing that lies heavily on the uh, startup technician. Just you know, being oh, biased yeah. from being a startup tech, it's if you uh, if you're not doing your job, doing a proper startup, going through part of my startup procedure is before I even energize the unit, I'm going through every single wire connection mm-hmm. on the unit. Half the time I'm pulling wires out and restripping them and relanding them just because oh, yeah. they're not quite how I want them. Or you find something miswired. It happens. These units are assembled by people. Anytime mm-hmm. that you have human hands putting something together, mistakes can and will happen. It's inevitable. And as the you know last line of defense before the unit goes into operation, the startup tech has to make sure that they've dotted all their I's and taught crossed all their t's to make sure that that thing works properly exactly man they gotta they gotta check double check i like to triple check you know just be be sure that the unit's gonna be uh up and running whether you're starting it up doing a change out on something and you want to make sure that because you know there's older guys that are really stubborn on some stuff but you got to make sure you purge that nitrogen when you brace you got to pull that vacuum down do a lot of people don't like to do triple evacuation stuff like that there's certain things that you need to do to make sure that you're you're uh, setting that unit up for success and not that it's going to be, you know, down in a few months or, or whatever it may be. And then, you know, that comes back to you. Some people say that they don't uh, they never had an issue. But what if, you know, you're not the one that they call back to go do it? You know, someone else has to deal with your your issue. And uh, and I, I've I've had defects come from the manufacturer. Like you said, it happens. Um, I've, I've had to second guess myself because i'm like i just bought this you know it's brand new i don't know if it's if it's defective or if it's if i'm doing something wrong but uh i've been there it doesn't happen too often but it happens more times than not the problems i'm dealing with on uh the stuff that i work on it's from the previous person not doing something correctly so just make sure you uh and not bashing on anybody because i just had a couple of uh posts i think you had seen on on social media where i'm like i i'm not bashing on anybody you know we all need to help each other on social media and uh it's just about being better 
every day and you know like i said check double check triple check i was seeing the the couple posts that i think you're mentioning uh that one yeah. uh, one guy <laughs> dropping a whole bunch of hater aid on you that's uh you know you've made it when you got the haters commenting on you hasn't happened in a while but every time i try to reply i either get blocked or, or they uh, delete the comment or something happens uh it's never a, a win situation for me yeah well speaking of you know branding and comments and stuff yeah, well, fly by in the in the post there uh block with the doc in crocs well uh oh. maybe i gotta talk to crocs about uh <laughs> hooking me up with a sponsorship while this uh hey. contest is still going hey we need to tell ben we need some hvac tactical doc crocs there you know? we go there we go or maybe i can get lance to to hook me up uh <laughs> in chicago when we do the uh ceremonial passing of the torch <laughs> on to whomever the next personality that's going to take over the solder weld hot block campaign is going to be sure and we'll, we'll talk about that too uh but josh here hvac doctor good branding i actually wanted to bring that up before we dive into some other stuff that's not a gimmick that's what i was trying to tell people it's not a gimmick you have a phd correct yeah so all aspects of my instagram handle name a lot of people think, oh, the HVAC doctor, well, he's, you know, hitting on the doctor thing as he's going in and fixing things up like a, a medical doctor. Well, no, I, I actually am a PhD <laughs> doctor. I have a PhD in psychology specialized in developmental cognitive neuroscience. So prior to finding my true passion and career within HVAC in a previous life well over a decade ago, and is it over? It's well over a decade. It's been a while since I've been in the research <laughs> world. Um, I was doing brain imaging studies and looking at multitasking and uh, error processing and what parts of the brain do that and how did that change across developmental time from being, say, a child to a teenager to a young adult. Uh, I spent a lot of time doing that. So, you know, the old line of stay in school kids. Uh, you'll get a better job. Well, I went as far as you can, <laughs> academically speaking. And yeah. I still landed back in the trades and found my true success and happiness in the trades. Uh, am I going to say don't go to school? No, go to school. Yeah. Um, people, if they're going to find their success and happiness within a skilled trade, you don't need to follow the path I did. You don't need mm -hmm. to put in those years upon years. I mean, it was 13 years of post-secondary education that I put in to get my PhD. People don't need to do that. They can go right into the skilled trades. We have a massive shortage of skilled trades workers. We need more men and women in the skilled trades. So the we got to break the kind of educational tradition thing of oh, you're yeah. done high school. No, well, now you have to go to college or university. Not necessarily. If your passion and your career is going to be in the skilled trades, which there's so many great jobs, go right into it. Just dive in. You're not going to regret it. If your passion is to go be a medical doctor, a chemist, a physicist, a lawyer, go do that. Right? Mm -hmm. I'm not here to trash higher education. It's just know what you want to go do and pursue it with the utmost passion. So, yeah, I actually am a doctor and, you know, there was a the transition out of being a doctor, so to speak. Um, when I went into psychology, it was to be a, 
a researcher, be a university professor. And partway through my PhD, there was a fundamental shift in the retirement structure for, uh, for professors. They took away retirement at 65. So now there's professors in their 80s and 90s in labs that had things been different, I would probably not be sitting here having this conversation with you. I'd probably be sitting in a research lab doing what I was doing previously. So, and knowing that there was going to be likely zero chance that I would land an academic position, I had to find something else to do. I'd always worked in the trade since I was 12. My uncle was a carpenter. Uh, so, you know, as I was finishing up my PhD, I went back into carpentry for a while. Didn't really want to pursue that as a lifetime career. Not against mm -hmm. anything against carpentry and people who do that for a living. Um, I needed something different. I needed something that's challenging on multiple fronts. You know, we break out the term the king of the trades. We are. We we do it all. You know, we do a little bit of plumbing. We do a little bit of electrical. A little bit of mechanical. A little bit of carpentry to get stuff into units that we need to repair. We we have to know a little bit of every single trade out there. So. I mean, the the uh, transition into HVAC took a tiny little bit of time, but uh, <laughs> the stuff that I did in my academic career, people are like, oh, you wasted all that time. You know, oh, you're so overqualified. There are so many transferable skills from what I did mm -hmm. in the academic world over to what I'm doing here. So things like, you know, signal processing, things like programming, things like, you know, just investigation, troubleshooting dealing with people, writing reports, they're all transferable skills that, you know, for at least my journey, were a valuable life lesson that needed to be done before I could get to the point where I'm at right now. And that's, that's a good way to look at it, right? You, you uh, applied your skills from one aspect of your uh, career to another one. And uh, yeah, like, I, I think everybody just has to find, and a lot of it is like, trial and error because like when you're out of high school you don't know a lot of times you don't know what you want to do um i was going to school actually well everybody has to go to school right that's always the norm that's what everybody wants you to do so i went to college i was getting my basics and i was actually going to do electrical and engineering just because that's what piqued my interest i was like i don't know i'm good at fixing stuff i'm good with uh, electricals uh you know that kind of stuff interests me so that's what i got into you know, by which, you know, my dad actually does a hot, hot side and he was actually an electrician beforehand. So I I was around it, but I was never super into it as far as like trades. I just didn't know about the whole like refrigeration side and, and all that, that that had to offer. Because once I got into that, to that aspect, I loved it. And I, like I said, I was always fixing things anyway. Uh, for a while, I did have a, like a little side business i guess i would call it is uh doing like uh laptop repairs smartphone repairs taking them apart figuring out what was wrong with them uh because i would get like a whole bunch of weird issues not just like cracked screens and stuff like that so i've always been intrigued in diagnosing things figuring out what the issue is taking things apart putting them back together and then uh and that was going to be another thing that i was going to bring up is uh you're not you're not a gimmick. You actually be, uh, were a doctor and came over. But like when I had that uh, phone business, there was that was a big popular thing 
where everybody did like medical uh, gimmicks. There was like smartphone ER, uh, smartphone medic, you know, uh, I think phone doctor was another one. Like there was a whole bunch of gimmicks. So I can see where people are like, oh yeah, you're uh, haha, you're the HVAC doctor, but yeah, no. Haha, I'm a walking gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually I, I try to make, you know, connect things all together and make it all factual. You know, initially when I was breaking into the skilled trades, and into this kind of aspect of it, the first company I worked for, initially, I went in there with the mindset of, I want to go into HVAC, uh, but we didn't have the proper journey person to apprentice ratio at the time. So they were tailoring me to be a plumber. So had things been different, it wouldn't be the HVAC doctor. I guess I'd have to go with the handle of maybe Professor Plum instead. <laughs> Uh, which I was caught in the library with a candlestick. Oh yeah! <laughs> if anybody remembers the game Clue. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Jen's asking, "What did you want to be uh, growing up? Did you ever have any aspirations to, or what you wanted to be? Uh, you know, when you grew up?" Um, uh, not really. I I think you know, as a kid, everybody has that. And going through the stages of, oh, I want to be, you know, like a firefighter or police officer or, you know, professional wrestler, you know, baseball player or whatever. And it's not till, you know, later on, you know, going through high school and into university, college that you start realizing what you're actually more interested in. And, you know, for those that can actually, you know, pick what they want to do as a kid and actually see that through, man, I, I got nothing but the utmost respect <laughs> for people that can, uh, can do that. But I don't think many people would be working the job that they do right now, especially in our industry. Yeah. Um, thinking about, you know, that as a kid, like as a kid, do you really think about, Oh, I'm going to be a refrigeration mechanic <laughs> or, you mm-hmm. know, I'm, I'm going to go work hot and cold side in, in a kitchen and repair that equipment. No, as a kid, you're wondering, how long is my Happy Meal going to take to make at McDonald's? Uh, what toy am I getting? And uh, when can I get home and play the, you know, a video game or, or go play with my friends or something along those lines? Oh, yeah, man. Growing up, I think all I wanted to be was just a, a basketball player. I was really into sports, and that's all I focus on. And uh, like I said, my dad was an electrician. Uh, he worked late nights, um, and then he got a a job doing hot side he lucked out uh because they were offering to train him and everything because you know he ha- he didn't do that before and he went out of town for a lot of trainings you know uh studied really hard when he was at home to try and catch up to everybody else that was there at that at that company that he worked at and i will say this i didn't you know get into the trades or i didn't really think about it when i was a kid when i saw him Uh, When I was in high school or anything like that, I guess it just didn't click. But I did see his work ethic and how he uh, strived to be, you know, the best hot side tech that he could be. He won an award for it at his company. You know, he was recognized in the state and everything. So that's awesome. All of that, all of that, you know, was in my head. Like once I got into the trade, I was like, I want to kind of show him that I can do this too because i was a helper for him at first uh that i can do this too and i want to be you know the best at what i can be so what once he was like hey i need like somebody that does refrigeration or you know the stuff that i don't do 
I was like, all right, I, I went to school. Uh, it was a two-year program, got through it, and then I got thrown straight into commercial refrigeration, uh, restaurants, hospitals, all that stuff. And I was like, all right, you know, challenge accepted. I'll take it and let's do this, you know? Yeah. So in terms of licensing and schooling, is it a mandatory two-year program that you need to do where you are? Uh, well, for the state, I, I am licensed. I'm a contractor. So yep. school takes, uh, school does count. And then you have to ride with somebody that can, it's for like another two years or three years, uh, somebody that can sign off for you. So that's the thing is like, people always ask me how I got it or how they can get it. It's different in every state. I wish it was the same across the board so I could, you know, tell people what to do. Yeah. It's one thing that I, I commonly come across is it's <laughs> so different from state to state within the United States. Whereas up here in Canada, we kind of have, at least for certain aspects of what we do in HVAC, it's interprovincial. It goes across all provinces where to be a refrigeration and AC mechanic, it's a five-year apprenticeship, 9,000 hours that uh, you have to get signed off on. And during those five years, you have to complete three levels of in-class education full-time uh, that um, are two months long each. So you go through two oh, okay. months of basic, two months of intermediate, two months of advanced. And then after you've completed all your hours in schooling, then you can apply to set what's called your CFQ, your Certificate of Qualification exam, to actually obtain your refrigeration AC license. That only gets mm -hmm. you working on refrigeration and air conditioning units. That doesn't get you working on the, the heating side. That's a separate ticket in my province. So on top of that, we have gas fitter tickets that are tiered levels as well. So it takes another, gosh, three plus years to get your full gas fitter level one that you can work on any BTU input into an appliance. So yeah, very different. <laughs> it's, it's quite different across, uh, you know, across each state and uh, semi different across Canada with the one exception being what we call red seal trades. Uh, mm -hmm. that are transferable. I can go work anywhere in Canada with my refrigeration license, but if I'm going to work on natural gas or propane in those different provinces, then I have to set an equivalency and basically show, you know, hey, I'm a gas fitter one in Ontario, mm -hmm. which is supposedly the hardest gas ticket to get across Canada. Um, let me set an equivalency or, you know, give me the equivalency so that I can do that work in, in another province. Not that I do a lot of interprovincial work. It's I have the opportunity and I have the licensing to do so. Yeah. So like, like I said here, I think it's, I think it's like four years experience. You know, I, I got mine right away. So forgive me. It's, it's been a while since I applied for all that, but uh, it's like four years experience here in uh, Texas where I'm at. And like I said, school count counts for a part of it. And then the only people I knew did residential work. So that's that's who I was with and who signed off on me so that I could apply and take my test. Not what I actually ended up doing. I ended up doing kitchen refrigeration. So I'll admit to everybody, like I had a lot of uh, learning to do on the job when I started. Just mistakes here and there, you know, trying to figure it out. But you know, like like with anything, if you just take the time 
and uh, learn about the equipment. You know, manuals are really great right now. You can get uh, install steps and tips. They even have troubleshooting in the back of the manual. I mean, like if you just read that thing, you'll know how the equipment works, what it does and what it shouldn't do. And uh, just now you can go on YouTube, watch a bunch of uh, guys like Ty, Craig, Brian, or everybody that does educational content. So uh, yeah, I had one more into there. If people aren't watching uh, Trevor Matthews, you got to, Oh yeah. You got to cue into refrigeration mentor. Awesome. Awesome guy. And so knowledgeable. A lot of people uh, giving out their knowledge and, and stuff like that. And you get to consume it online basically for free. I mean, that wasn't around when I started. I was, uh, you know, out there making mistakes left and right. I'm like, okay, that doesn't work. Let's do this, you know? Yep. Back in the day when, you know, you had two-way phones. And uh, before you even queue up that phone to reach out for assistance, you make sure you've exhausted every option. And oh, yeah. you can't figure out anything more before you reach out and uh, tell, you know, what you've done so far. What am I missing? How's the net? Where's the next step? And hope that you don't get ridiculed for asking for it. It's oh, been a huge, huge shift and change, which is amazing to see from, you know, those parts of, you know, being in the trades. Like hell, back when I was breaking into the carpentry aspect uh, as a young teenager, it was, uh, you know, very old school training of uh, a lot of yelling, a lot of tools flying in the general vicinity of uh, me, um, you know, having compressed nail guns fired at me as learning opportunities, air quotes, opportunities. But <laughs> um, you can't do that these days. You have to have a completely different training mindset and regiment. It's uh, gone are those days of the air quotes, old, old school training method of, you know, the person doing the training was, pardon the, the term, shit on as an apprentice. Um, so they're going to do the same to their apprentices as a rite of passage. It's no, it's don't do that anymore. It's you share your knowledge and you stand back and let that person who mm -hmm. was in the position you were in learn how to do something, learn how to, you know, a, make mistakes and learn from them as well. I mean, I've had apprentices, you know, blow up motors and whatnot and be all down and, you know, in the dumps about it. And like, it's a motor, like it's yeah. a mechanical component we can replace. You know, is there going to be a talk if you keep doing it? Yeah. But did you learn something? Did you learn what you did wrong? Mm -hmm. If so, go get a new motor and go put it in. Yeah, it's, that's, exactly, that's exactly what I've... I've told people, I'm like, you know, we all make mis mistakes, especially when you're new, but you can't be like afraid to make those mistakes. You, you burn out a motor, you wire something wrong, a board, whatever it may be, it's all repairable. Just, it might cost you a little bit more money, right? You know, if you got to replace that board or a uh, motor, like you said, but it's repairable, just everything's fixable. You burn a hole through that copper, whatever it may be, you know, we'll get it fixed. If, as long as you learned and you don't do it, like you said, over and over and over, that is when it becomes a problem. But if not, every mistake you make is something you can learn from. Like that didn't work, you know, do it this way next time or, or ask if I had that problem too. When I was uh, starting out, I hated to ask for help, especially tech support. We all have to get over that. That's like a little pride thing. Um, 
So just, you know, learn from your mistakes and ask questions. I, I, I hear the term a pride thing and not calling tech support, man. I call them all the time. <laughs> half I the do time now. I'm, yeah. Half the time I'm calling them just to hear myself talk myself through a problem. Yes. Yeah. And they verify, you know, what we're talking about or, you know, sometimes if I'm say working on this brand, mm-hmm. uh, I'm working on an Aon unit and I come across something rather unique, you know, I'll have a pretty much direct line to select tech support people uh, at that company. And if it's something really weird and interesting, I'll directly call them. And as soon as they pick up, I'm like, all right, what'd you find this time? I know it's going to be good if you're calling me directly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, put our heads together and get to the bottom of the issues that we're, we're confronted with. Yeah. And I've had like, uh, honestly, good and bad experience with it lately. But uh, for the most part, I've had some that are really helpful where it's like, I'm trying to program a certain like model or, or brand that I've never seen before. And I make, you know, I there was one where I made a, a dumb mistake just because I didn't know it, it was asking me questions and I didn't know how to answer them. And I was like, look, I did it like this. I don't know if that's the right way or this and that. And then they are like, oh, go to this option, you know, change this and then set it this way. And then the unit kicked on. So I was like, great. You know, uh, he knew exactly what I was talking about. And he actually, it was for uh, Heatcraft. I called and they weren't able to, to take my call, but then the guy texted me. So I had a really cool text message back and forth because he was tied up on the phone. And we got through the issue that way. I've had others that can't tell me what's why certain components give out over and over and over. Um, and then I've had some that, like you said, you just need to hear yourself talk sometimes, which is something that I do with a lot of, uh, you know, the guys in my company, whether it's my dad or somebody else, they might not, I might know more than they do, but like, just hear me out. And if you have any suggestions, you know, that I'm not seeing or maybe just us talking uh out loud about it something clicks and i'm like oh okay you know let's do this and then we get it going so uh you gotta get over that just ask ask questions even if you're just trying to talk uh your way through it for sure i didn't know that i'm uh loud and angry uh thanks for letting me know hvac guide for homeowners (laughs) josh he's he's a he's uh he's a good guy he's been in here a lot and uh he likes to joke around um, I'll try to calm down the anger as we move forward. Yeah, I had uh, I had Pat and uh, Jason Latimer and, and and Rich on here last last time, and everybody was like, "Oh, it's Team No Smile," because everybody's just like, you know, mean looking. Uh, yeah, uh, Pat puts on a good front, but man, I love that guy. Awesome. Oh, guy. they're they're awesome. I had so much fun when I had them uh, on the show all together. All right, so so you have it. your question from jen go ahead way back up in the in the chat asking uh myself and uh also you adrian if there was one brand of equipment that we could work on what would it be Uh, i I wonder what it is for you i have (laughs) no idea what that could be um i prefer working on them but um do i also like working on the other products that the rep firm i work for represents and sells absolutely but the reason why i came to work where i work right now is because of the brand that's on the hat it's Mm -hmm. there's just so many little cool tricks and things you can do with those units uh and you have to have a a very good 
understanding, foundational understanding of how to work on them. She wants uh, to know which one in particular. Uh, which particular model? Um, I prefer the larger air handling units. So anything like uh, up in the RZ range, um, anything in the you know well over you know say ninety to ninety ton to 240 ton of capa cooling capacity units. Those are more fun to play with than the smaller ones. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm there to start up whatever they put in front of me. Yeah, total tech. Anything but Aeon is junk. See, I, I knew we'd get an Aeon oh. hater in here. Oh, yeah, yeah, I read that wrong. Anything but Aeon. Oh, anything junk. but. I, anything yeah, I guess but it doesn't... Aeon is junk or Aeon is junk. I think Aeon is junk. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's plenty of people that have that opinion. Um, uh, like we were saying earlier, come work on it with me for a while or, you know, go get some training and work on it for a while. Are there issues with the units? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's no such thing as a perfect piece of HVAC equipment. If there was, there would only be one brand. There'd oh, only yeah. be one piece of equipment out there. So, you know, come work on it for a while gain a solid understanding of how they work and what your role is in working on that piece of equipment. And I'm sure your eyes will be open and you may change your perspective. And if not, that's your perspective and opinion to have. And yeah, we all, we all have, everybody's going to have them. We all have our, I wouldn't say favorite and least favorite, but you know, there's, there's some that's easier to work on than others or some that you're familiar. It's also about what you're familiar with. So I got really used to like carrier and train. And then I got thrown in front of a Lennox unit, uh, commercial rooftop units and, uh, something like a prodigy or anything like that. I was like, Holy crap. You know, there's so many wires compared to a train or a carrier, you know, carrier, the ones I see super simple, one little board, a few contactors whatever and then like as i was out there more often i'm like oh man i gotta i gotta learn this one this brand that brand and then it's just when you get familiar with them i don't have any brand loyalty uh personally i just like to work on anything that's put in front of me so also to answer her question um i i like refrigeration more than anything put me in front of a walk-in box uh freezer or cooler the bigger the better and uh uh, well, we see a lot here. I mean, they're all kind of heat craft. I started working on a couple other brands recently, but I'm I'm pretty good with them. As as much crap as I talk about the uh, heat craft Intelligen, they're super simple to put in. Uh, I really enjoy installing them. It's just that when little things here and there tend to give out because it's and that's that's the thing now is everything's going electrical or electronic boards for everything uh electric uh expansion valves things like that I, the only issue i have is when they give out something like that a board or anything it's hard to get that customer going until we get a new board because that thing is like the brain of uh a lot of these these walk-in boxes so like i said there, there's little quirks here and there but at the end of the day um that's every brand every brand has like a quirk something good something bad so it's just, uh, to me, it's what you're uh, familiar with. 100%. And uh, I, you, you hit the one thing that's a, a bit of a tiny pet peeve for me, and just in terms of like labeling technicalities 
so people have this divide between what refrigeration is and what HVAC and like AC package rooftop work is. Mm-hmm. To me, I, there is no divide. It's all refrigeration. Yeah. It, it's just different temperature ranges you're working in. So, you know, me working on, you know, pool dehumidification units and say Aon air handling units, that's all high temp refrigeration. Um, you know, walk-in coolers, your medium temp and walk-in freezers, you're just low temp. And then, you know, you can get mm-hmm. into ultra low temp. At the end of the day, it is all still refrigeration. Yeah, and I, I've seen, and that's one of the the cool things is you get to see so many different brands, so many different um, types of equipment. And I, I've worked for uh, you know restaurants and stuff that have custom made or kind of custom made uh, equipment for them and their restaurants because they have you know a way that put, they they put their kitchens together and all that. So when you first look at something, it's like, oh man, this is very different. I don't know what to do or, or I don't know what to look. I don't know where to start. It's all the same. It, there's a compressor more than likely. It, it's the same refrigeration cycle, the same components, the same um, deal that you're doing with all these. It's like you're trying to cool space and reject heat. And uh, it's just everything in between the controls, the safeties, and uh, I guess the scale of how big or how how small the equipment is. Yeah. Um, answer a uh just work HVAC question of uh, aluminum coil stuff. So, oh yeah, you're. Uh, if you don't have these right things, look for that little logo out in the uh, <laughs> supply houses to get into the uh, solder weld contest. But we're going to be seeing more and more that you're going to have to do aluminum repairs in the field. Lance was on the money that. There's mm-hmm. going to be more and more need and necessity to be doing aluminum repairs. And it's a different procedure from just standard brazing or soldering. It does take a little bit of skill to do it, but once you get the knack of it, you're good to go. Uh, we're seeing you know, manufacturers having aluminum coil shortages. So to get that customer back up and going, you're going to have to repair that microchannel coil or you're going to have to repair that U-bend that's made out of aluminum to get them back up and running. You're not going to have an option. What are you going to tell your customer? Oh, sorry, uh, your equipment's down and it's a eight to 12 week lead time to get your coil. And you think you're going to have that customer sticking around? No, they're going to go find somebody that can actually do that repair and go with them instead. So, you know, increasing your knowledge on how to do that, absolutely go and do it. Uh, and in terms of liking the solder weld products, um, well, um, yeah, they're damn good products. Um, the aluminum rods that they have, this is no lie. This is no gimmick. I'm not paid to say this by Lance and solder weld. They're the best aluminum repair rods on the market. They have the lowest melting point to get that rod flowing, to make that repair. Because everybody knows aluminum is pretty sensitive to heat. It starts melting mm-hmm. at 1221, I think, degrees Fahrenheit, 1221, and in around that ballpark range. So, you know, to have a aluminum repair rod that starts flowing in around the six to 700 degree Fahrenheit range, yeah, it's it's a game changer. It's 
the best thing you can use to make that repair. And then to protect it, well, <laughs> marketing 101, go get yourself some hop lock. Or if you can't find hop lock, go use Refrigeration Technologies wet rag. I've used both. I personally prefer Hoplock. I find it to be, in my humble opinion, a far superior product. Mm -hmm. There are things you can do with Hoplock that, that I've done with Hoplock that I wouldn't trust competitors' products to do. So, you know, the lifetime guarantee thing you see on the tub, like, right, if it would focus right there, uh -huh. um, I have burnt the living snot out of hot block mm, raising yeah. stuff in and take a little bit of take those burnt parts off of the hot block re-add water and start mixing it together guess what you can still use it again other products yeah. you burn the snot out of it you're throwing it out it's a commodity use item at that point whereas a hot block brand from solder weld Awesome, awesome product. Got nothing but good things to say about it. And that's not because my little Instagram logo <laughs> face is on there. Even if it yeah. wasn't, I'd be saying the same thing about it. Yeah, and I've I've tried I've tried both. Uh, I do have little things on each. Uh, I'm not sponsored or have any affiliation with, with either one. So I give people my honest opinion on both. I feel like they are different. They are different. They do the same thing, but they are a little different. And I've I've been trying out both of them. Uh, and uh, Total Tech, uh, shameless plug. I was actually going to ask the doctor here. Um, he won the uh, Solder World contest, which previously was uh, Flynn to win, I believe. Yep. Where so uh, the first Flintstone version was on it. Yeah, first version that they rolled out this Solder World hot block campaign was with Mike Flynn, with Flintstone one, and uh, Mike did an awesome job with it, and. Um, when it was basically, you know, like Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory, go find your golden ticket and start making content with it. So, you know, there seemed to be a little back and forth contest between, uh, my, uh, red seal Inc brother, Jay HVAC J six Oh four and myself in terms of, you know, who could one up the next, uh, you know, hot block video during that <laughs> contest. Uh, and you know, when the announcement was made new year's that I actually won the contest, like, dude, I, I was just blown away. I, I couldn't even, my hands were shaking. I was in just in shock and awe that I'd won this thing. And, uh, man, it's been one heck of a cool ride. And now you get to be the face of the hot block, uh, this year. And then, uh, though, I think somebody had just, is it the first one that, that's been found? That just recently went up? Uh, so there's been a couple of a couple? HVAC doctor uh, products that have been found. Oh, okay. So in, in the initial first year, it was just Mike's logo on the Hotblock product. And then for this round, uh, we've got my logo on Hotblock and also the aluminum coil repair kit bags. Oh, that's so right. So there's been uh, Luis, um, or Luis, I always mix up his name um hvac five, uh five six two six yeah. two he found an aluminum coil repair kit bag that he just posted like yesterday or the day before um i think aiden um he's found a hot block tub oh, okay. and i think there's one one other uh who found a hot block tub so how many of these get there how many of these get sent out 
So my understanding is with each pack of six, so they ship mm -hmm. in packs of six. I think each pack of six has one winning tub in it, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, wow. And I'm not entirely sure about just how many aluminum coil repair kit bags have the doctor patch on them, but I'm sure there's there's enough out there. Um, we're just wondering where they're sitting and uh, you know, <laughs> looking forward to more and more people finding them and, and posting about them. Yeah, I just want to, oh, wrong one. Uh, Total Tech, been doing this for years with a hand pump sprayer and wet rags. Awesome for you, buddy, but sometimes I don't have access to water. I know some guys use like the the water from the uh, the drains and stuff, but those are nasty as hell too. Uh, to wet their rags and stuff, I don't want to go back down to get to go to a faucet or anything anything like that. So I just make sure that I always have either the uh, wet rag putty or the hot block uh, version of it in my bag when I take my torches and all that because we don't have water access in a lot of these uh, places. That or uh, you know if you have the the option and uh, the application, you know, is fit to do so, press it. You know, that's, an, break, that's another, break uh, out, con another break controversy you're bringing up. <laughs> I like to be full of controversy. Um, <laughs> awesome, awesome product in my humble opinion. Um, you know, Paul and everybody at RLS are absolutely amazing people and it's a great product. Uh, there's up, there's situations like server rooms and other situations where breaking out a torch is just not going to be possible. I and work you have in to make a repair. Yeah. You know, hospitals, prime example. If you've got to make a repair anywhere in a hospital, like, you're not shutting down the place and putting it on fire alarm bypass and, you know, filling out hot work permits when you can just come in and press it and get it done. Yeah. It's right application for the right time. You know, right product, right application, right time. And it saves you a lot of time if you're doing the proper preparation steps to install that product. Yeah, and on, on pressing, I'm 100% behind uh, RLS. Uh, I have that tool and I have I buy those couplings. You know, I restock when I get low. I don't use it as much as a lot of these guys that do like uh, residential work and that's how they you know, put their line sets in and stuff. But uh, honestly, like it saved me some time before where I don't like I'm doing a repair down in the evaporator because I do a lot of uh, walk in boxes where the condenser might be pretty far away from it. And I got to go change out like a dryer or something, uh, something small where I don't want to take my torches all the way over there when I can just press it in. Right. Or a small rub out or something like that and you're doing less of a a load for your body and stuff trying to take over the the torches rope it up however you do it and uh it has a time and a place like you said and it's just another option everybody has or i like options um uh, i could say the same about people that take their impact or drills up to the roof like you don't need it you can do with a uh normal screwdriver right but you rather use that drill it's the same thing with it's the same thing with the with the uh, press or anything like that you could do it with your torches but you know there's an easier option if you do it right yeah uh, and you know people from what i've seen so far a lot of people balk at the price of an rls fitting 
it's an investment. Yeah. Yeah. It's an investment and yeah, the fittings cost money, but when you balance that out against the expense of having to break out your torches, the expense of sulfos, the oh, yeah. expense of nitrogen, so on and so forth, the time to set all that up, the time to get a hot work permit, if you need to get one, press is going to be faster potentially in that option. But again, it's weigh your options and use what's yeah. right and what you're most comfortable doing. Like if, yeah, if so raising far. is what you need to do, go braze it. And while you're brazing it, shameless <laughs> plug, go get some solder weld rods, get them round rods. I can't get them right now. They're sold out everywhere I look. Um, and th those also, because of what it is, uh, price goes up on those things too. So yep. pr the press fittings, they cost quite a bit, but you stock those and you can reach for them whenever uh, you need them. Like I said, I don't do a lot, so I keep a minimal stock for me. I have a little pack out that has all the fittings that I commonly use. But after the initial investment of the, of the tool, which you have to make on your own, you have to decide that's your deciding factor there. Is it worth it in the long run to get the tool? Because I don't think the couplings are the issue. The couplings, honestly, you should be bending and using the least amount of joints, whether you're brazing or pressing. I feel very strongly about that because even brazing has leaks. So, you know, bend your, your line set and have try to use the least amount of uh, couplings and you pass that that uh cost to your customer and it's only going to add what another 100 bucks 200 bucks at the most to the end uh invoice i don't think they're going to mind that if it's done in a timely manner and and done uh quicker or yeah well mostly it's for the quickness because let me tell you on the on the walk-in boxes and things like that that i do uh we're trying to build out you know put the condenser in place put the evaporator in place take out the old stuff run the line set you have all this other stuff that you need to do on top of like wiring and running your drain lines make sure making sure every, everything matches up when it comes to the brazing part i'm like oh i just want to get this over with right and and some i've been uh using the press tools lately for that kind of stuff where it's like i have way more things to do on this day to finish this install the last thing i want to think about is is connecting the line set yeah uh, to answer the question you have there what size does rls go up to jen's answered in the chat one and three eighths uh they do have fittings bigger than that um so in my neck of the woods um for install depending on the tonnage of the unit um there's a governing body that oversees the installation of um refrigeration piping and there's only up to a certain size at the moment that they've approved to use that fit use rls and i know that uh, paul and the team are working hard on uh, larger uh, size press fittings and yeah. uh, look forward to seeing those come out i'm i'm sure they're going to be up in the the two and one eighth you know two and three eighths two and five eighths range very shortly uh if anybody swung by the the rls booth in atlanta they had some of their larger fittings and larger press guns uh, on display there. So stay tuned. It's only going to get bigger and better. Oh, yeah. So uh, so we we actually met at, at the AHR event. And yep. uh, 
uh, I saw you at the tactical award show as well. Cause you, like I said, you won the, uh, the solder world contest. You got to be the new face of that. Um, you know, you got your uh, presentation for that and all that. You also won, I believe the lifeline tech award. Correct? Yeah. It's, uh, sitting right there. Come on. Yeah. focus. There we go. There you go. There was a lot of glaze and haze on it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, that was a complete surprise that, uh, that I was winning it. Um, I knew that I was nominated going there, uh, but I also knew who I was nominated up against, uh, all, all Canadians in my, uh, in my nomination category, uh, with Ilya, uh, my, uh, HVAC brother, the HVAC foodie and, uh, HVAC Dill, Dylan Roper, uh, Dylan's out in Vancouver. And I honestly thought that Dylan uh, was taking that award because he's very well deserving of it. Uh, he actually just won a top 40 under 40 award. And oh, yeah. uh, he's doing awesome stuff. Uh, I think I actually, in my speech when I got up there, uh, I think I actually did say that uh, I thought Dylan was taking this award home. And uh, <laughs> and I was shocked when Brent uh, you know, said, you know, is there a doctor in the house? I'm like, I'm yeah. excited, but I'm like, oh crap! I got to go talk again. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah, because you had to you had to go up there twice. <laughs> yeah. Little did I know, when I was up there talking, like when I received the award, I was looking just down a little bit, um, and there's a teleprompter. I'm like, and I was thinking as I'm talking to the audience, and like Brent had a Brett had a like a basically written out speech going across the teleprompter for him to read. <laughs> now I got to come up and wing this. Yeah. Like, hey, it, it was an absolutely amazing experience. I, that's a night I will never forget whatsoever. I'm looking forward to Chicago, but man, um, 2023 tactical awards that, that holds a very special place in my heart. It, it was an absolutely amazing night. Yeah, that was awesome. It was a great event. Uh, just really quickly. I, I was actually going to mention you, Josh, uh, Josh here, who is, he has a YouTube channel, HVAC guide for homeowners was also on that top 40 under 40. So congrats, man. Yeah. Congrats, Josh. That's awesome, brother. And Let's see. I, I, I can't go for any of that being an old, old guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, somebody else was like under 40. Yeah. Like that's, that's the list. That's, that's the uh, cutoff right there. Yeah. Yeah. Once you're <laughs> over 40, like myself, uh, yeah, you're out of that, uh, out of that contention but you can always go for a tactical award oh yeah like uh you know all, all the guys that won are, are amazing uh previous winners you know everybody's real supportive of each other so i can't wait to see who wins you know the next one and uh jennifer wants to remind everybody that you can nominate over at hvactactical.com it's just it's not whoever gets the most votes or anything it's just you if you want to consider somebody for an award you go on their website and submit them, uh, fill out the form there, and uh, they'll be nominated. And then there's a whole process that goes on behind the scenes, how they pick the winners and stuff. Yeah, Ben has a whole selection committee to decide you know, who's in yeah. what category. One thing I do like about this year's online nomination platform is you can actually pick what category you're going to nominate somebody for. Yeah. And then ultimately, they're going to decide if that individual fits that category for an award. 
Hey, we got Brett Wetzel. Brett Wetzel, you won the or you're on that list too, the 40. I didn't know that. Congrats. I didn't know that either. Congrats, Brett, if you if you were on the, the top 40 <laughs> under 40, brother. That's awesome accomplishment. You know, great. Yeah, that's a great it's a cool little list. list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a cool little list. Great accomplishment accomplishment uh for the guys that are killing it out there. Absolutely. You know, people like, you know, like the people we've talked about also, uh, you know, although he's uh, my age, you know, we're both the same age. Uh, Gary won one back in the day as well. Mr. HVAC know-it-all. That Like, yeah, when I had first seen this, you know, I, I knew Ben at the time when he started it. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, you know, that he's giving out these little uh, awards. Uh, but it was basically online and stuff. And then to go to the Vegas one, I missed it because I missed my flight. But then I got to make the Atlanta one, and that one was, like, awesome. And I can't wait to see what he does for the the next one. And I, I think he just announced that it's uh, hosted by Vito ProPack now. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely awesome. I also saw that uh, a gentleman who was sitting at uh, the table that Pat and I were sitting at in Atlanta, um, Mark Tama with uh, GE. Um, oh yeah that ge's the official sponsor for the after party everybody wanted an after party and now there's an official one so great uh that's gonna be awesome it's gonna be an absolute blast looking forward to chicago it's uh gonna be crazy fun so many people to see so many people to get caught up with and for anybody that's uh, in the chat that's thinking of going go Uh, and if you haven't been to an ahr before Atlanta was my first that I attended. Um, <laughs> you got to plan what you want to do and who you want to go see, because there is no way to do it all and see it all whatsoever. Yeah, the uh, the first time I went was uh, the Vegas one, and you think you can see everything quickly, but you can't. There's so many uh, cool no. places to stop in the in the in the convention that's going on, and a lot of like contests uh prizes that they give out a lot of just stuff that they uh give out like shirts and, and different swag uh there are stations that have uh, beers and, and things like that and there, there's a whole bunch going on it's it's a really cool event to be at if you've never been there and uh yeah you're gonna there's a reason why they go three days uh or it's three days long you really need to break down what you're gonna do uh for those three days or try to be there as, as much as you can and it's a lot to, to take in. Oh, yeah. And not only just the conference itself, the after events. You gotta, yeah, because you know, all, all these companies. Which ones you want to go to as well. All, all these companies invite you out to uh, their little get togethers or dinners or events. So whenever like you have the whole you have the award show to do the night before. Then you have the HR to do during the week, during the day. And there's going to be events going on at night in the evening so there's honestly you know something to do at any given time uh on your trip there so like i like we said if if you haven't been or if you plan to go it's it's really fun i highly recommend it um i took my brother with me and he was just like in awe of everything because he's not on social media so he doesn't see this stuff i i mean you know the demos to him were, were amazing he was out there taking pictures and everything and and he was really into it so it was really cool to see that because, you know, sometimes I, we kind of see this stuff online. You know, uh, Lance is always doing his demos 
posting it online you know you get to see the stuff online but then you get to see it in person which is cool but like to somebody who's never seen it or maybe they don't know about the community on instagram or anything like that it's it's a really cool event there's so much to, uh, going on a lot of uh, new stuff gets unveiled there you know they had the milwaukee vacuum pump uh last time they had the all all the new klein stuff that they made you know the the pack out whatever they want to call it uh all that stuff was there so you get to see that stuff firsthand Vito had a lot of their tool bags that weren't out yet that i was a little upset about because i was like are we gonna like, see yours in chicago there's the question my question we, of the night are we gonna see your your uh veto bag that's in development in chicago how'd you hear about that uh, i don't know maybe <laughs> uh you know a few of your uh podcasts have uh mentioned it a couple times yeah i thought i could talk here because i i feel like i'm like who who watches this you know but uh <laughs> a doctor from time to time um <laughs> uh, yeah um okay i i helped them a little bit on on ideas and stuff like that i don't want to say too much i don't know if they'll pop in here or not but uh they are the reason that i'm going they did talk me into it so i will be at the booth uh for veto a good amount of time there so if you guys go out there hit up the veto booth i might be there uh, but they they this last time i wasn't allowed to talk about some of their stuff because they, they they show me the some of the new stuff that comes out then i get there and i'm like dude you have everything on display and i'm like <laughs> but th that's what they do when you go to these shows they have stuff that that may not be out yet or that's coming out and you get to see it there first so that's kind of cool too and like Vito and a lot of these they let you actually like touch the stuff pick up the stuff look at it though and ask them questions because like at the Vito booth uh, a lot of guys come came up and started asking them about the bags and stuff and they'll give you the whole rundown and that goes for any booth they'll explain every tool every uh every you know they have demos and different things and they'll talk to you about their product you know if you want to know stuff you get to see it and then you get to talk to uh to the manufacturer about it definitely and going back to your point of uh you know some people see some of the things online like different product demos and whatnot um one that experience i had from down in atlanta uh was you know the last day uh, I did the you know whole hot block on the palm demo thing, oh, and yeah. uh, I did that with uh, Craig Migliaccio, um, and uh, you know a guy that uh, you know been chatting with a fair bit, and we'd known each other before going to Atlanta, sort of, but uh, realized who we who we really were once we got down there was uh, Justin Vader, uh, Vader the plumber. If uh, oh, yeah. if you've followed him or have crossed paths with him. Um, so I was getting set up to do this little demo with Craig and, uh, Justin was there and he's like, you know, I've seen you do this online. I'm like, <laughs> just watch this, watch this live. It'll hit a little bit different. Oh yeah. It, it definitely does hit a little bit different each time, you know, I do that little demo. I'm like, okay, I know the product's going to work and it's going to work well, but there's always that little part in the back of your head that goes, am I going to burn a <laughs> hole in my hand? Like I, I'm putting maps gas to my hand here i, I kind of need this hand to make a living right so. yeah man I, I i've seen you guys do that i'm like y'all are crazy but uh <laughs> it's a it's a cool demonstration nonetheless you know you get to see the product and what it can do 
which you know lance always kills it i I love watching him when he's at the booth and stuff doing that stuff for sure oh nothing but love and respect for lance and everything he's doing awesome awesome guy everybody's cool the whole community um you can hang out with everybody there you know everybody you see online posting um everybody's cool everybody you can approach everybody talk to them i i talked to like a like craig you know i didn't know he knew who i was and then we ended up talking there for a little bit uh same thing with chris stevens you know all these guys that i watch and uh are so much bigger you know they have these huge channels and, and stuff like that but if you go to the ahr i know they also do the other one the uh the symposium the the brian yeah. Orr one when you go to these events, they want you to talk to them. They want you to go up to them, yeah, it's ask questions, and, and stuff like family. that. Everybody's family. Everybody's cool with each other. So uh, let's see. Everybody's talking about AHR now. <laughs> I, I'll I'll see everybody there. Like I said, hit up the veto booth, and I'll I'll be there. Looking forward to seeing everybody there as well. You know, come on by, say hi. Love to chat with you. So uh, let's get into a little bit. I know we are already over an hour, but uh, let's get into a little bit of what you yep. actually uh, do. You do, obviously, you work on Aeon units, but you do uh, this kind of like specialty, don't you? It's like, uh, I know, like I heard the stories on the other podcast. It's uh, growth. Do you still do growth facilities? So I work on a lot of different facilities. So yeah, we okay. do work on grow ops on medical grow ops, a lot of government facilities, military bases, schools. It's wherever the product that uh, our rep firm sells is installed. I come in and I start it up. I commission it. And any warranty work that needs to be done, I'm there to handle that as well. So yeah, there's a lot of different uh, different facilities and crazy places we go work on. Um, and yeah, it's just an absolute blast to go do. And uh, how is it or is there anything that that you need to do differently working in those environments? Because I heard you and Jay grow facilities and odor. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Um, The aroma of marijuana products gets into everything. And it can be so pungent. You're not even necessarily in the room with the product. Just yeah. in the facility itself, it permeates everything. That oh, wow. and I was, you know, back in gosh, a couple years ago, I was working on a grow facility for an emergency service call, and it was Christmas time. So there were a lot of ride programs as you're coming off the highway to make sure you weren't under the influence of anything. So I'm rolling up to the ride program in my service van, roll down the window, you know, talk to the officer, and they're like. Uh, have you had any marijuana tonight? I'm like, no, but you reek of it. I'm like, <laughs> I understand that. I was servicing a grow facility. Took a little bit of talking to, you know, drive that point home to the officer and let me proceed on my way home. But that aroma gets into your tools. If you're carrying any notebooks, you know, weeks yeah. later, you can open up that notebook and you're like, oh, yep, I know that where I was working. <laughs> um, there's other facilities that aromas also stick with you as well. So and I was working on a gold mine, um, I think like four months ago. And I was working in the extraction mill. So where they actually pull the gold out of the ore that they've mined 
and the extraction process, they use ammonia and cyanide. Yeah. Now, if you've never been hit with ammonia before, um, it's like getting punched in the chest and you're just trouble breathing. So we got dosed with low doses of ammonia the entire day we were starting up equipment and that aroma just stays in your clothes as well for a couple days, no matter what you do, it's just there. So is there any, any, like, uh, is there anything you need to do when you go into these, uh, places or is it just like, you know, you deal with it? Um, for me, in terms of the aromas, you just have to mentally deal with it. Um, can it be a distractant? Yeah. But there's nothing uh, that you have to wear nothing uh, that, when you go in there. So if we're talking just grow facilities, you've got to suit up. Okay. Um, and I don't know if you saw Jay's post today, uh, where he's working on a clean lab. Oh, where I don't he's think in a full, did. he's in a full white suit, like full, like white coverall, white, uh, hairnet, probably had a beard net on as well at one point. Uh, you got to mm -hmm. be completely covered. You got to growing it, going into a grow facility. You have to have everything sterilized going in there. They don't want, so you got to have all your tools and everything wiped down before you go in, um, disinfect your boots, the coveralls cover up your clothes. So you're not worrying about your clothes, but yeah, there's a process to get into these facilities. Got it. Just like there's a process to go into a military base or, <laughs> you know, process to go into like a military research or tech research facility. Everybody has their own procedures that you need to follow and protocols so that you can actually go in and access and do the work on the facility. Gotcha. Some of the, some of the stuff for like food processing and for grow facilities, there's actually more stringent security procedures in place than military bases I've been on, <laughs> which is kind of funny in my mind. Oh, that that's crazy because uh yeah i was wondering like what what are their i don't know the procedures going into those places and i heard jay say that he doesn't even like to take his tool sometimes because he does because of the stench that gets 100%. into there the, yep. the tool bag so he tries to take just a couple of tools or whatever he needs and take the minimum of what you need to go get the job done yeah there you go and leave everything else in the truck and, hope and then you don't I, have to go get it Oh, yeah. Because then you have and... to go re-through the whole <laughs> cleaning procedure to go back in. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and I think he said that, you know, if he has a, a job there, that that's that's basically, he doesn't like to go anywhere else afterwards because of that whole issue with the the smell 100%. and all that. Yep, absolutely. Man, that's crazy. Uh, try to limit the day to make sure that that's your only job because when you walk into another customer, and they smell that on you, what's yeah. going to be the first thought? Not that you were going <laughs> and working on the facility that produces that product, but that you were consuming that product. Of course. So you don't want to have that potential negative customer, you know, mindset to be uh, started up just because you're going and actually servicing another customer. And, and you bring up that, that, you know, uh, when they when they uh, they didn't pull you over you said it was you went through something a ride check so ride check yeah like around christmas time does they'll, that they'll does that up. happen often um around holidays they'll do it oh, okay. especially around like christmas and new years so they'll set up uh basically on highway off ramps they'll set up um you know basically you know a couple of squad cars and you just got to go through 
go through the line and, you know, basically say where you were, if you've had anything to drink and or consume and hopefully just go on your way and not have to go out and do a field sobriety test. So do they, have you had that issue happen on more than one occasion or do you have to deal with that a lot when you're working at these uh, facilities and then you go through one of those? Typically not. That was kind of a unique experience. I've had it happen (laughs) maybe twice. Um, But typically no, usually it's not around holiday time that we're working on these. Oh, okay. And now given my role as more of a startup guy, um, a lot of it is going to be facilities that aren't quite under production yet, or just, you know, getting set up to start. Sometimes it's facilities that are putting an expansion on. So then you're dealing with, you know, product in the space that, uh, yeah, you're going to have that aroma sticking to you. (laughs) Oh, uh, um, so you also do, or, or you do more of a dehumidification, right? When you deal with, is that like indoor pools or, or what is that that you do that for? Uh, so the company I work for, we do, you know, obviously semi-custom rooftops with Aon. Uh, their bread and butter that they started with was actually humidifiers, steam humidifiers. And they also do um, dehumidification applications as well, whether that be for a lab um, or, you know, one thing that, you know, niche little area that we work in is in pool dehumidification systems. So I, I sent you a few pictures of the job I was on that I wrapped up today and was, I walked into yesterday, a uh, lovely four hour drive to get there. Yeah. But um, yeah, like indoor pools, they need climate control and you have a large indoor body of water that it, you need to control the humidity in the pool area in the, what's called the natatorium. And if you're not controlling that air environment properly, a lot of nasty things will happen. You'll have you know, windows deteriorating, drywall falling off. If there's drywall in the space, it'll mm-hmm. just be really, really nasty. So you know, controlling the air temperature and the relative humidity in a pool application, indoor pool application is absolutely critical and essential. And there are units that not a lot of people work on. You know, first time I worked on one, it was a, a little bit daunting, not knowing exactly how how they work and what they are. Like the easiest way to kind of summarize a pool dehum unit is it is a single evaporator with multiple condensers. So you can have... You'll have an evaporator and in front of that, you'll have a reheat coil. That reheat will be used for dehumidification of the pool air. You'll have an outdoor, potentially an outdoor condenser um, or a dry cooler for AC mode, depending on the length between the indoor unit and outdoor. But your AC condenser or outdoor condenser is just like regular air conditioning. So you'd be going through potentially just the outdoor condenser and the indoor evaporator or the indoor reheat coil and the indoor evaporator or a combo Mm -hmm. of the two, or you could also have what's called a pool uh, reheat coax. So you could reject heat into the pool water. If you have extra heat within heat of compression, uh, if you have available extra available, you know, heat in the refrigerant circuit that you can reject elsewhere, 
and you don't need to reject it to either reheat or air conditioning. You can reject it to one of those and also to the pool water to heat up the pool water based off of what you're already doing to maintain the, the actual air in the environment. And it's a, a little bit tricky. It, it works off of what I like to call the Goldilocks principle. If you remember Goldilocks and the three bears of this porridge is yeah. just right. <laughs> so, you know, crash course in indoor pool environments. Um, you want to maintain the pool air at least two degrees Fahrenheit warmer than the water. So let's say oh, okay. you're maintaining the pool water at 82 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. You're going to want the air in the space to be a sensible temperature of at least 84. You want it oh, that okay. two degrees warmer. So and when you initially walk out into the pool room, you're in your swimsuit. So you're not going to get shocked by, you know, cool air. You know, you're just in a bathing suit. It's going to be a warm environment. You're going to be like, okay, this isn't unpleasant. You get in that pool water that's two degrees cooler. You're like, oh, this is refreshing. You know, swim around, do your thing. And then the big thing is when you get out of the pool, because the air is two degrees warmer, you're going to have less evaporative cooling because your body's still covered in water. So Mm -hmm. you're not going to get that chill coming out of the pool as much as if the air was colder than the water that you were in. Yeah, I I hate that part. The porridge is just right kind of thing. Yeah, and that's the, the, the part that you hate about getting out of the water anywhere right is is that that uh cold that comes over you but i don't know people don't and i didn't think about that either like the whole uh science there is like you you got to get it just right so that the people are comfortable getting in and out of that that pool and then you also have to worry about the environment in there because it's like an it's an indoor pool you have a lot of factors which uh, just work here is bringing up pretty sure he's talking about that that viral video that went around that was like a yep. duct that fell into a pool or something yeah i believe that was if i'm not mistaken at a great wolf lodge facility in the united states um a, a big reason why unfortunate events like that occur is improper pool area indoor pool environment chemistry mm-hmm. So, you know, if they're not maintaining their pool water chemistry properly and they're not, you know, doing proper air control, dehumidification, and also proper fresh air mixing, uh, they are going to have a lot of issues because pool environments are pretty corrosive. Like the oh, chloramine yeah. that comes off of a pool that's being treated with chlorine is very, very, you know, damaging to any and all surroundings not to mention if your humidity is not controlled properly so you know let's say all that duct work in an indoor pool environment that has to be at least where i am stainless steel Mm -hmm. like it it can't be just regular duct work it has to all be stainless and all the hangers and threaded rod to hang the duct work also has to be stainless otherwise it's going to rot and deteriorate and then you're going to have things like giant pieces of duct work falling yeah, it's 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 the environment that you have to take into consideration, like you said, how they maintain the pool and everything that goes into that. Just like because I live close to a beach, so we live about an hour away from from the beach that's here. So when I do work over like where I'm at, you know, we have to we don't have to worry about it too much. But once we get closer to the coast, 
there's a whole bunch of other factors that come into play because a lot of the stuff over there is it's the salt water in the air and everything and you have to worry about stuff corroding i have to take a little more precaution and extra steps to uh to make sure we coat coils we coat filter dryers you know anything that could rust out uh we have like a little clear coat we use the refrigeration technologies one there's different brands and you take that extra step over there just because it's a little bit different uh of an environment and you have to just be aware of that uh where you're working and what you're working on and take those extra steps so that you don't have stuff uh failing prematurely 100 percent you know, know know the environment know the conditions that you're trying to operate a piece of equipment in because that's yeah, gonna play I, a big factor in terms of how long it's gonna last yeah and i never would have of like i said thought about all the stuff that goes into like an indoor pool but there's you know there's there's stuff behind there there's details there's things that you need to know and uh specialty equipment the whole you know the the stuff that you work on yeah it's it's not something that you know i initially thought i'd ever be working on but it's a fun little product to play around on and how did and you get into that aspect the whole like the whole pool the yeah kind of thing it's the company i work for currently they've repped indoor pool dehumidification units for i believe over 20 years so they've always been selling the equipment and it wasn't until about three maybe four years ago that they started up their own service department oh, okay. uh, so prior to me joining the company i'm now in my third year at the current employer uh, I had done multiple years of third-party contracted startups for them on Aon, Condair humidifiers, and some Ceresco pool dehum units. So that's how I got exposed to it initially. And you know, given things that went on at the previous employer, uh, it only seemed a natural fit and natural move for me to go to where I'm working right now and couldn't be happier you know, working on what I work on. And did you learn this uh, type of stuff at this current job, like on the job, or did you have any previous experience with it? I learned a little bit on the job at the previous company that I worked for when I was introduced to the product line, and then really started learning the product once I got to where I'm at the company I'm working at right now. And, and one awesome thing about the company I work for right now is they firmly believe in making sure their technicians are factory authorized trained, sending us to the actual manufacturers and factories for specific training. Um, Dectron and Ceresco might be worse than Aon. <laughs> okay, Total Tech. Um, hey, Total Tech, um, what's the difference between a Dectron, Ceresco, and a pool pack unit? There's a question for you, brother. <laughs> Now we're asking the, the chat the questions. Exactly. Do a little HVAC trivia time, stealing <laughs> someone's line. Oh, yeah. she. I think she had to leave a little while ago. But mm -hmm. uh, let me see. Just Work had, an, had a question for you. He was asking, what type of filters do they use in those uh, type of facilities? Like, I think he's talking about the, the growth ones. In the, in the grow-ups. Um, yeah. it, it depends on a lot of different factors. 
and what they're trying to accomplish with the equipment that I've been sent in to work on. So some will be using uh, carbon filters, some will be using just your standard, you know, you know, MERV 13 Merv, or like MERV 14 filters. Some will even go MERV 8s. It all depends on the placement of the product, what product they're using and how they're using it and where they're using it, the environment that they have it installed in. Uh, a whole bunch of different factors that go into that. A lot of places will also use on top of different kinds of filtration, um, different kind of filter. They'll also use UV filtration as well. Oh, so yeah. they'll be using, you know, UVC um, filtration for the air that's moving around. And a lot of the places, they won't actually introduce a lot of outdoor air. It'll just be recirculated from within the space. And they'll be injecting different chemicals into the spaces, different grow rooms, because they have different stages of growth, you know, whether mm -hmm. they're in bloom or hibernation, so on and so forth, that require different lighting, different amounts of carbon dioxide injection, oxygen injection, humidity levels. It, it's an entirely different level of wacky science once you get into indoor grow facilities, considering it's a plant that will grow outdoors in some of the most harshest conditions. Um, indoor grow facilities can be also very, at least the individuals that work there can be very challenging at times because they sit in front of a computer watching trend graphs. And if they're say just humidity levels, say their RH is out of whack by say 2%, well, the mm -hmm. red flags start getting thrown everywhere and you better get in there and fix whatever issue might be going on. So it, it can be uh, quite an interesting environment to work in, not only in terms of the product, but the people that uh, work in those facilities. Yeah, that, that's a whole lot of uh, stuff that I just never knew about. So, I mean, it, it's great to hear uh, a different side of HVAC and that's a whole other you know, discussion is, you know, the different avenues you can take. Uh, so it's really cool to have you on here and talk about how it is to run a, a indoor pool or a growth facility or anything of that nature where it's like a little more complicated or a little more extra thought that it goes into it. Cause you got to know what the, what's, what's uh, the product that's in the building and how that works and what they do for that. And it affects, you know, the HVAC equipment too. So oh, absolutely, it uh, you, you can kind of take, you know, say like grow facilities and extend the, you know, we use typically use psychometrics to refer to you know human comfort, um, but you know you're applying psychometric principles to just a plant or you know a uh, a chemical product that's under manufacturing. So you know different pharmaceutical facilities, you know, have specific conditions they need to have the production rooms in their labs in so that they can actually make the products that they're making. Otherwise, it's not going to be uh, going properly. It's not going to work properly at all. Yeah, I got you. Uh, what's the difference total tech? Well, the three pool units <laughs> that I just mentioned, the only difference between them now is the sticker that goes on them. They're made by the same parent company. Yeah, we see that a lot in different 
sides of the of the trade it's like like what i was saying earlier it's like everybody has a brand preference but more, more times than not it's the same equipment yep exactly it's uh you know the the parent company to all three of those um das I mean, they've done a great job taking three different brands amalgamating them under one while still keeping them kind of separate uh, to you know, maximize you know, sales across different rep firms and people thinking that they're different units when they're not. Um, yeah. So, you know, good on them. You know, they've kind of cornered the pool dehumidification market for you know, high-end products used to control those environments. And it's you know, a fun little product to work on. Um, does it have its challenges? Oh yeah, I, I had one walking into that job that uh, you know sent Adrian a few pics of you know, for those in the chat. Uh, you know, walked into a unit that uh, there was a leak on a the rotolock fitting on the king valve off the receiver, and uh, yeah, ended up uh, having to yank the remaining charge out of that because I knew it would just be in a, a gong show if I just started topping it up. And, uh, you know, you you come in to do a startup, which should have factory charge in a certain part of the unit to find it's not there. And the installing uh -huh. contractor had repaired the leak. Now you got to verify that, pull whatever was left out of the system, do your triple sweep evacuation, make sure you get it down to an appropriate micron level, and then kind of restart from ground zero. So it turned into a, a longer day than anticipated on that job. But uh, we, we got it done, put in those hours and make sure the job gets done. Was that 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 40 pound one, I think? Yep. 40 pounds, yeah. Yeah, because I didn't trust that, I, I wasn't going to trust that the, even though the ball valves were closed to the outdoor remote condenser, mm -hmm. I've had enough times where even though the ball valves are closed, sometimes they do seep through and I don't know what's mixed with what. So yeah. I'm just going to pull out whatever top-up charge was initially put in those line sets and uh, in the remote condenser and start from ground zero, know that I had the system wide open mm -hmm. and pulled down to a proper evacuation level. Who pays for the lengthy repairs? <laughs> you got to have the right tools so the repair doesn't go lengthy. You know, you know I was uh, pulling pulled out, took about an hour and a half to pull out uh, close to 40 pounds of 410A. If I didn't have a subcooler, that would have been much, much longer. Yeah. Uh, especially in a hot mechanical room. And the evacuation, triple sweep evacuation is sped up by using big dedicated evacuation hoses. I was using the true blue hoses. You yank the Schraders out and you put those three quarter inch internal diameter hoses on a system, she'll pull down fast. You know, using an eight CFM pump, I had that circuit evacuated in under an hour and a half, triple swept down to under 340 microns, decay up to 380 and held at 380. So nice. lengthy repair. If you're pulling through a manifold and three and quarter inch hoses, yeah. <laughs> but who pays for it? That goes against the startup budget for the piece of equipment. Um, sometimes you get through a startup without any issues. Sometimes you got to cut into it to 
make sure that you repair the equipment properly or you know make any changes necessary to the equipment to have it work for the application so that the at the end of the day the end user has the best possible experience with that piece of equipment so that you know once they're done with the lifespan of that piece of equipment they're coming back getting another one because they had such a positive experience with it and a positive experience with the people working on it as well gotcha uh i'm gonna go to a question from instagram from your old buddy uh so jay jay over on instagram was was bringing up i don't know if i don't know if he sent you the same message but he was bringing up a uh vacation that you took on the other side of canada i believe yeah and uh you got recognized by some local uh hvac mechanics so his question is how does it feel to be a celebrity and recognized in public <laughs> celebrity i don't i don't know about that <laughs> i'm just a i'm just an hvac mechanic doing his thing um so the yeah it was the kind of opposite side of canada so i'm in the toronto ontario canada area so like where i i'm a like a four-hour drive from where i am to detroit or oh, two okay. hours over to buffalo new york to kind of give you a geographical area uh whereas jay he lives out in vancouver like around vancouver british columbia area which is you know closest to like seattle uh to yeah. give you kind of a give you an idea of the, the distance between each other <laughs> so i was out on vacation in an area of british columbia called um Kelowna. We were visiting some friends out there and uh, Jay was actually on vacations kind of sort of in the same area. So we, our families actually met up for a dinner one night, which was awesome to spend some more time with him and meet his family. But the uh, thing that he's mentioning was um, I think day three into our vacation, uh, I had posted a few things of different things my family and I were doing in Kelowna and uh day three we were going to a beach just in the downtown area and uh we pull into a public parking area there's a couple service vans and i, I was wearing i think i was wearing this hat and uh so we pull in and uh there's a couple techs at the back of their vans loading some cylinders and one of them just gives me this hard hard stare so i, I think kind of nothing of it and we park and get out of the vehicle and all of a sudden i hear from the vans is that the hvac doctor <laughs> i'm like all right guess i better go over and say hi to the guys and you know see you know what they're up to what they're doing and it was the first time my daughter had ever seen anything like that it's like they know you I'm like yeah <laughs> and they they know me from online um are they your friends I'm like well we're all hvac people it's kind of a you know community so yeah we're, we're kind of sort of friends yeah do we really know each other no was it cool to take a minute and say you know hey how's it going you know what are you guys working on you know spend like five minutes with them just shoot the breeze and say you know hey guys you know here's some hvac doctor stickers yes i was carrying them on me um <laughs> never leave home without them uh, That's saying, right. you know, Hey, here, here's some stickers, you know, I appreciate you, you know, following and, you know, checking out my wacky journeys in HVAC. 
appreciate, uh, you know, you sticking around and seeing what I do. And uh, I'd love to chat more, but, you know, hey, I'm, I'm here on vacation with my family. It was awesome chatting with you, but uh, we're going to go hit up a beach. You know, <laughs> have a great day, you know, have an awesome job. You know, hope everything goes well. And, uh, you know, feel free to shoot me a message, shoot me a DM. I'm always here to chat, always here to help out if you're run up against something and uh, just, you know, want to, you know, troubleshoot. You know, that's what our community's here for. It doesn't necessarily have to be on the stuff that I work on all the time, but uh, if it happens to be, eh, even better. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I mean, you're the lifeline tech, right? I mean, that's what you do. <laughs> um, that, that's mm-hmm. that's cool. That's cool though, because I've I've run into people, especially at the the AHR events. You know, they're like, "Oh, I've seen your your channel," or "I've seen whatever," and I'm like, "Awesome," you know, and I. I love chatting with people, whether it's about work or anything else, you know, it's, it's cool to get that or to see people that are passionate or, you know, do the same kind of work that you do. And it's, it's cool to do that. Cause I don't know, there's not too many people around here that I can do that with and talk shop with or anything like that. And, uh, I even have people locally that are watching, you know, my YouTube channel and stuff, and they've stopped me at the grocery store and stuff like that. And it's, that's awesome. it's a bit it's a bit awkward for me because i'm usually focused on what i'm doing i'm not usually like you know hey what's up everybody but uh if they stop me i, I love to chat i uh like i need to start carrying my stickers i wasn't doing that for a while but uh, i gotta have them in the backpack ready to go yeah. uh but that that's that's an awesome part is getting to to talk to people i've talked to people at the supply house and and you know, they, they see my, whether it's like a tool review or something like that. And I'm like, cool. I'm glad, you know, that it helped or anything that I post is helpful is like the best feeling to me is like, I help somebody else with a problem or with, or with uh, deciding if they liked this tool or not. Cause I showed it or used it, you know, so definitely cool. Absolutely. It's takes a little bit of getting used to, you know, Doing the whole social media online thing, you know, it's different. Building, it's different, and building <laughs> to the point where I'm at, where now I'm starting to get recognized. It, it's still a little weird. It's like I'm still just a, a technician going out doing his job every single day and posting about what I like to do. And, and uh, you know, if people like the content, hey, that's win-win. It's just that much better. And if it helps people, all the yeah. more better as well. It's, you know, here to share, here to share what I know. Yeah. And it's funny that you, you said that about your, your daughter, uh, you know, that magazine that's over here in my little bookshelf, mm-hmm. uh, our, our daughter saw it and she's like, is dad famous? She's like, oh my God. I was like, it's just, it's, it's whatever, but like, it's cool to be in stuff like that. Absolutely. And, uh, th- there's a lot of hard work that goes into the whole content creation that people might not not see or, or understand. Uh, and then like a, for a long time I was doing this for hours after work, like doing my free time doing social media content. Right. So there's Absolutely. a lot that goes, there's a lot it's that goes into job, it. Really? And, and it's cool to get recognized for it and, and stuff like that. So it's uh yeah, like you said correctly, it's, it's pretty much a second job when you come home, it's, all right, I've taken all these little pictures and video clips through the day. What can I yeah. put together to 
to make something that I find entertaining for myself to put out on my page that hopefully somebody else likes or somebody else will find helpful. Oh, I know. I got to watch whatever I make or edit like 20 times before I post it because I want to <laughs> make sure. <laughs> yep. And we've all had those posts where, uh, you know, you didn't do that due diligence and you put it out there and you're like, oh, should I really put that there? Yeah, it happens. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, I have worked on a lot of boilers. Um, I haven't done a lot of steam boilers. I've done some. Uh, when I first broke into the industry, the company I worked for, uh, one of their primary customers was a gas bar chain known as Petro Canada. And uh, they have a lot of car washes and car wash boilers for heat in the winter time up here in the great white north the busiest time for car washes believe it or not in my neck of the woods is christmas and new year's oh <laughs> it's everybody's you know going out to family events and they want their cars yeah. to look good but the you know roads are covered in snow and sand and salt and whatnot so you, you want to get that washed before you show up uh so yeah i've done tons of work on a lot of different boilers a lot of atmospheric ray packs and ao smiths um you know worked on a whole bunch of lars teledynes um Wiesmans, uh, lots of different ones um so yeah i have done my fair share of boiler stuff i don't really do that anymore mm -hmm. um if the opportunity comes up to work on boilers again i'm, I'm not going to pass it up um they're fun to work on it's just not exactly what we're, you know, doing equipment wise at the company I work for in terms of uh, what they're selling in, in the markets that we cover. I gotcha. And I know his question was directed towards you, but I've never touched a boiler. We don't have those down here. Um, so it's something that I haven't seen, but I like watching all the like yourself that does something very different than what I do. A lot of these guys like Jeff Jadim, uh, Flintstone, that do the boilers and, and all this other stuff that I don't see in my neck of the woods. I love to watch that kind of content online that's very different uh, from what I do. So 100%. You know, like seeing you know the content you're putting out, like the stuff that Pat's putting out. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's just awesome, great stuff. Like some of the you know kitchen equipment that Pat's working on is just crazy crazy stuff awesome awesome to see come up and it's you know an area of the the industry we don't see enough of really not in not enough of and it's not there's a lot that goes into it uh physically and then getting covered in grease and there's a whole other aspect to it there and i respect those guys that do it my dad does it i would like to get more into it i've said that plenty of times but uh i really love refrigeration and that's what i like to do but hats off to the guys that do the hot sides oh yeah 100 you know hats off to the, the hot side techs and hats off to the ones that are doing both and the ones that are yeah. even just doing cold side it's everything needs to be worked on everything needs to keep on running if not yeah and i'd like not nice things happen of course the the world would not go round without us uh in the skilled trades doing uh this you know for restaurants for hospitals for uh, different things you know air conditioners for houses and stuff like that like 
it's just that I had some comments recently and I don't want to get into it because it's going to make another hour of this show, but uh, where they're like, HVAC, that's not a skill. That's not this or that, or it's not that hard to do, but there's different aspects. There's, you know, there's residential, there's installs, there's commercial, heavy commercial, you know, stuff that you do. That's, that's kind of like uh, specific to certain facilities, you know, there's engineering, there's a, uh, a whole bunch of stuff so it just it gets to me when when, when i see those comments i'm like there's more to hvac than you think than oh, changing more to hvac than changing out a capacitor you know yeah it's it impacts whether people want to you know think about it or not it impacts almost every area of modern life like you can't walk into a building without it being right in front of your face yeah you know sometimes it's a little behind the scenes uh but HVAC and refrigeration, especially refrigeration across all different levels of, you know, the temperature ranges that we're working it in, it's everywhere. Whether, you know, it's right in front of your face, walking into a grocery store, whether it's behind the scenes, but you're looking at it at a, a sports event, at a hockey arena, to, you know, pool areas, indoor pool environments that I work on, to even like production steel mills. You need refrigeration oh, yeah. in, in there. You, yeah, you need the H side of HVAC, you need the heat, <laughs> but you also need the, the cooling and refrigeration side of it as well. It's literally everywhere. And that's Our a good point. Our society wouldn't be what it is without us HVAC guys and gals. Yeah, that's a very good point. And, and to, to round out the show, I was just going to bring up, there's a, there's a whole thing going on right now too, where like most of the nation or the world is having record setting heat you know this summer to where a lot of like schools and different things are not or places are not equipped as far as their hvac equipment and they're having to upgrade everything now because they need those air conditioners for schools or different uh facilities that in their their area they might not have ever gotten this kind of weather but we're having a, a crazy year with weather and and it affects the AC, the, the stuff that, you know, that, that they need. And now everybody's needing more uh, air conditioning than ever. And it's always going to be like that. There's always going to be a demand. And then we need, like you said, we need good techs or more techs in the field. Yeah. And you know, not only just, you know, AC speaking, of, you know, the temperatures that you're experiencing down in, in Texas, but also a big thing we see on schools is, uh, due to that little thing that shut us down for a couple of years around the world. Yeah. IAQ, fresh air requirements. Oh, yeah. So equipment is being massively overhauled or new equipment's being installed to meet, you know, ASHRAE IAQ standards that are now have to be in place to bring these buildings up to proper levels. Yeah. And he brings up a good point. Everything has some sort of air condition or. Yeah, refrigeration part or aspect to it, so it's everywhere. It's literally everywhere. You, you can't go somewhere without it being present, really. All right, man. So we've almost hit two hours. I I try to keep it as short as I can, but I appreciate you sticking out um, the time here to to be on the show and uh, you know just talk about what you do and and everything um, that you've done so far. And I appreciate it and i thank you 
Um, everybody can follow you. It's the HVAC doctor on Instagram. And I think you're on TikTok, yep. right? Yeah. TikTok's kind of my neglected social I media child. So, so. Um, really the main spot to find me is Instagram. Um, sure. and some of my Instagram content also makes it over to my LinkedIn. That's under my actual full proper name under Matthew Waxer. Uh, but main spot's going to be Instagram for everybody to find me. Um, and I'd like to say, you know, thank you, Adrian, for having me on. It was an absolute blast to come on and, and talk again. It was an mm -hmm. absolute pleasure to meet you in Atlanta. Can't wait to chat with you in Chicago face to face again. Yeah. And man, it, it's been absolutely awesome coming on here. I appreciate you having me on. Appreciate you. Let me take a little run out to let, uh, let Sherlock <laughs> outside. Yeah, otherwise, no problem. Uh, the dog would have, you know, not been so happy waking up, uh, the wife and kids. So I, I totally awesome get to you do that. So, uh, <laughs> man, thank you. It's been an absolute blast. And like I said, I had fun with, with the conversation. It's, it's good to, to have you on the show and talk about all these things. Um, I will leave all his information in the description. Um, I'm actually trying to get into the whole LinkedIn side of things too. So, uh, I'll leave where you can find Matt, um, the HVAC doctor in the description and i appreciate everybody for coming out um i have to stay for a little outro so you can stay you can dip out um it's like a little minute outro and uh yeah i appreciate everybody for coming out see you guys <laughs>